time is timey-wimey, dreams are dreamy-weamy. Very much. Yeah. Would it be so bad if an 84-year-old got into heroin? Welcome to the Cat Organizational Podcast. You idiot. It's written down in front of you, you idiot. This is like the buffalo chicken wrap of answers. I haven't heard about hot orcs in a while. We were so horny for motion controls in 2005. I can't wait to come back and tell you how it was Noah's Ark, you asshole. I would also like to retroactively say I've never had cotton candy acid. So Andrew's 100% doing a voice, right? Everybody get off IMDb now. Time to record. This episode and probably this whole this whole podcast is a mistake. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show we talk about comic books, video games, and how it's pumpkin spice season already just to try and make us feel something. <laughs> Give us the teat, Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only amount of joy I've really felt this week. Time time isn't meaningful anyway, so why why not? Why not get our pumpkin syrup back? I mean, it's August. <laughs> like, it's like, pumpkin least, season, Todd. It's October now. Us yelling about this has the same energy as my mom saying, being in Kmart saying, it's too early for Halloween decorations. No, this is different. And granted, I realize I've said this is August and this is not dropping in August. But like, it's buck wild that pumpkin spice lattes were released before some high school students attempted going back to school. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. that's wild. Like I said. Just just to evoke a response. Just to feel something. Pumpkin spices back in the world. Mm-hmm. So occasionally on this show, we take a break from yelling and making bad puns to do deep dives into nerd lore so that you, our listeners, uh, um, can up your nerd cred without doing anything boring like reading for yourselves. Yeah, nerds. I would like to point out that I've never made a bad pun on this podcast. Um, uh, I thought you were going to point out that you were anti-reading. <laughs> yeah, he's big, big anti, big against reading. Are we back on this libraries bit? We left this <laughs> yeah, bit like two years we, ago. We never got no, off this, this is, bit. This is my favorite bit. God damn it! We are so dedicated to this public duty of ours that we make our series, our services available to you for the low, low price of fifty dollars. We will research and discuss any top- topic tangentially related to nerdery, so that you can be better formed fans. Um, today's episode came about by one such commission from longtime fan of the show and big time fan of Matt, Brenda Cole. <laughs> the upward inflection was really important. Thank you. Big time fan of Matt? <laughs> Unless I'm jumping to conclusions. Um, for her $50, Brenda has requested a deep dive into Neil Gaiman's graphic novel and goth staple Sandman, released by DC Comics in 1989 through 96 Woo! and i need to point out that uh she requested sandman because sandman was the free audible audiobook of the month and nothing gets my mom going quite like the free <laughs> audible audiobook of the month which like i have so many questions namely what does a graphic novel and an audiobook sound like that's wild yeah i did not listen to the graphic novel to the audiobook i read the graphic novel my guess is it is a little rewritten and you get some right you'd have to imagine some like narration some set dressing that isn't that is drawn in the in the graphic novel but is not there but it's got like a stacked cast james mcavoy's our lead that's all i know because his name kept (laughs) coming up when i was researching oh it's got a stacked cast james mcavoy 
James other actor Joseph uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, is, there we go. Uh, hmm. I wait. I'm on, I'm on the wiki so, right now. So it's more like a like an audio drama. Yeah, that makes it's like sense. Yes. Audio drama. Yeah. Okay, I get I get down with that. But I think the the question was not to steal Matt's thunder. I think the question was, did I miss anything from the audio from not reading the graphic novel? Was that um, the idea? I would guess. I my I mean I'm. Neil Gaiman's good at his adaptations. Um, he's had a few of his books made into pretty successful movies, but there's some really great art, some really interesting like comic book storytelling, and I imagine some um, some of the fluff gets cut out in the book, which we can we'll get into that, and you can imagine some of these things not translating as well to book uh, to not to audio, but um, I can't speak to how the adaptation is itself. Um, apparently Joseph Gordon-Levitt was to be involved in the film version. Ah. Um, and there's an adaptation in development for Netflix. Oh, cool. I did see that this week. I saw that there was a Sandman thing confirmed for Netflix. I think at DC fandom, there is already a Netflix show. Oh, featuring a character from this story, which is Lucifer. Um, yeah. Interesting. So wait, the Lucifer show on Netflix is like a DC property? I believe so. No shit! Yeah. Hmm. That show looks like garbage. It's the <laughs> number one trending show in on Netflix today. So, well, so, so is Warrior Nun, and that is also <laughs> trash. Woof. Um, so what do you guys know of either Sandman, Neil Gaiman, or anything can I can I go first? Please. Nothing. Good. Yeah. I would like to follow that with a not shit. <laughs> yeah, very little. I, I heard about this a couple years ago. I think they talked about it on Game Grumps, which is where I first heard about it, which okay. is where I get most of my <laughs> I think you're most right, of yeah. my cultural most of my cultural zeitgeist. Um and I, I heard uh Dan from Game Grumps talk about it and I was like, that sounds really cool. <laughs> and every time I go to a every time I go to a bookstore, I look I look at an anthology yeah. and pretend I'm going to buy it and then don't buy it. Yeah. I So I pulled up the Neil Gaiman Wikipedia and I there is exactly one piece of Neil Gaiman anything that I have seen and it's Coraline. Yeah, that was what that was where I was going next was you might not know that it's Neil Gaiman, but um, he wrote Coraline, the book that was then turned into the movie. He was re- involved in the writing of the movie. He's also written not uh, the novel American Gods, which has a Showtime show. Yes, right now, and um, that is very good. He has another. Does it Star Child Star? It's Star something. Um, anyway, he's not unknown, but he's also not like a household name. So you're forgiven. Stardust. Thank you. Which was also a movie. Yeah, Stardust, which is also a movie. Um, before we go any further, just real quick, I pulled up the cast of the audio drama audiobook of uh, the Sandman, and it. I it's it is a plus. It's James McAvoy, Kat Dennings, Taron Egerton, uh, Michael Sheen, Riz Ahmed, Andy Serkis, Samantha Morton, and wow. uh, Babe Newworth. Yeah, um, and wow. Neil Gaiman is the narrator. Being being a somewhat fan of his for a while, I follow him on on Twitter. He is very good at these like 
he is chummy with celebrities. He gets good people involved in his project, projects. So a little backstory into Gaiman. Um, he's an English author, um, very known for his fantasy horror stories. Um, he actually got his start in long-form journalism and writing short stories and kind of broke out with his first book in 1984, um, a biography on Duran Duran. Hell yeah. Yeah. He has since removed his name from it, but it Hmm. apparently sold, it sold out real quick. was very, was pretty successful. He's not necessarily proud of the work he did on it though. Mm. So in that same year, after reading uh, Swamp Thing by Alan Moore, he became friends with um, the author Alan Moore and decided to make the jump into writing comic books. Um, he dipped his toes in the water by taking over Moore's run of Miracle Man after a rights dispute. After a few successful stints on other independent comic runs, um, Gaiman was hired by DC in 87 to rewrite and update an old character that they had acquired the sandman um, which way they would then spend off spin off to launch their vertigo comics which was their like adult quote-unquote branch of comics at the time cool so (laughs) i the only sandman in comics that i have ever heard of is the spider-man sandman yep yeah and i am curious kyle if you know which Sandman came first? Uh, because I don't. Um, so I actually did not in my research because this is so dense. I did not go. I'm going to guess Marvel Sandman. I imagine it's Marvel Sandman. Um, so a little bit of yes. I just googled mm-hmm. September 1963. Yeah, so a decade he's, or so. He's, he's early. He's Gen One Spider Man. Yeah, sorry, Kyle. Got it. So an interesting thing with this and Sandman and a lot of DC characters is that DC has gobbled up a lot of smaller independent comic book printers over its years. And the Sandman and a lot of these characters in this are, are, are that, um, where like two companies merged and they got these characters. So now like they've got four versions of independent comic book publishers, Superman or whatever. So in the 80s, they kind of went through and rewrote some of these characters that were very similar to each other, and Sandman was one of them. Cool. Hmm. So the Sandman is a collection of 11 titles, and then there's like two books that tie into it that I did not read that follow Dream, the the personification and lord of all dreams, stories, and anything not real okay dream is one of seven endless um he and his siblings destiny death destruction desire despair and delirium who was originally delight are all the anthropomorphized forms of those concepts they're named for this is already rad this yeah, the alliteration. This is really cool. When you said dream and then started naming D names, I was like, there's no way they stick the landing on this alliteration. They did. And that's. They did. And great. even had an eighth one for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so these, these endless are older and more powerful than man and God and, and myth. Um, they're 
kind of the the core formings of the universe personified. That's the power we're dealing with in this comic is universe changing stuff. Yeah, it's very like Greek gods. It's cool. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's we funny you like say that, that because there are a lot of Greek um, gods in this as well. He runs into a lot of different mythologies through this run. So Dream, our main character, rules over the metaphysical plane of symbol, belief, and imagination, um, <laughs> which is known Gilly as... Wonka. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is known as the dreaming or the dream world. He has a satchel of ma- of sand that is dream world material that is his kind of conduit for his powers when he's out in, in our world. He's got his helmet, which um, let me drop a picture of the helmet in the document because it looks like a um, sleeping paralysis demon. Oh. Yeah. Rad. Um, it is formed from the skull and spine of a slain god. Um, Fuck. We don't get any more information than that. It's also his like his sim- sigil. So each of his each of the endless have a symbol that represents them. His is his helmet. As as cool as this is, this also feels like it's two steps away from being Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> this has big Kingdom Hearts energy. Um, and then his last object is the Dream Stone, which is a, f- a ruby that's the physical manifestation of his power, which is the first part of the story. Okay, r- real quick question. Answers. From, and, and this is a dumb question, so I want to ask it now before we get too deep. And I go, oh, and everybody's like, yeah, of course. Is Dream the, the title character, the Sandman? He is not that he is ever really referred to as the Sandman. Um, Part of his lore is he's, you know, he appears to these endless do all the perform all these duties for every civilization in the universe. So they all appear to different people differently. We get, there's a nice, there's a whole comic where he appears as a cat to a cat (laughs) to like a house cat. Um, It's very good. We'll get to it. So the Sandman is one of his many names, but okay, cool. he goes by Dream, or um, and I only refer to him as Dream. He goes by Dream or Morpheus the whole time. Got it. Sweet. Is that who um, uh, McAvoy plays in yes. the? Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so Dream has no permanent form, but in our story and to humans, he most frequently appears as a gaunt, pale man with empty black eyes snow white skin and shoulder length black messy hair and you can see from the side by side i put in the chat looks like neil gaiman did it hmm. when in 89 um, not yes. not subtle yeah we'll uh we'll put up an, an imager uh album too this will yeah. absolutely go in an Im- imager album for you guys um is that how you pronounce it i've always imager. said imger it's, it's, it's imager I also have always said Imger, but Andrew. this sounds like a GIF versus GIF situation, and I'm no, here to die on the hill of Imger. I'm telling you, it's Imager because I I came across a couple of people that work there because when I lived. In <laughs> oh yeah, my dad works California. at Nintendo. Whatever, when I, <laughs> whatever. When I lived in California, uh, I used to walk by their office every day, and I I met with and drank with a couple of people who work there, and it's Imager. It's Imager. 
imager. So we'll put an Imgur link in the notes. Fuck you guys. <laughs> so with that's our that's our setup. We'll get more we'll get more into that. Any questions before we dive into the story? How are we feeling? I'm stoked. Let's go. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that shit. that helmet looks rad. So our first book is the first eight issues, Preludes and Nocturnes. Um, this is our our setup to our story. So in the early 1900s, a magician and leader of an occultist organization named Roderick Burgess performs a ceremony, a ritual to try and capture death so he can coerce her into granting him immortality, eternal power, blah, blah, blah. As one does. A tale as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he accidentally captures Dream instead and imprisons him in a glass uh, crystal ball, basically, for 70 years. Bummer. Yeah. Roderick dies, and his son Alex comes to visit Dream, who escapes and curses the son with eternal awakening, um, which traps him in nightmare after nightmare where he keeps waking up from one into the other Holy until shit. he dies. Yeah, that's bigger terrible. Yikes. If you die in the dream, you die for real. While Dream is captured, those 70 years, um, roughly 19, it's 1916 to uh, 1984, there's, a, there's all kinds of like sleep sickness where people fall into like a state of perpetual sleepwalking, a general feeling of like uninspiredness. It's, there's, there's effect on our world for him being captured for so long. Like half this first book is showing how, how awful we are punished for this for this like core foundation of our universe being taken out of commission for 70 years there is one character who while under like under the sleep sickness where we meet her she comes up later is why i bring that up um so dream breaks out and tries to go back into his dream world um and fails because he's been trapped for 70 years and he doesn't have his um, his objects of power, the helmet, the uh, gem, and his sand. Can't go anywhere. Don't got my pocket sand. <laughs> yeah, I definitely <laughs> thought of Dale and his pocket sand. So that's where I'm at. He needs his pocket sand. Well. So he um, tracks down his sand first, um, which was in possession of the demon hunter John Constantine. Oh, that's a name I know. Hey. Oh, yeah. Of of the Keanu Reeves movie and NBC show fame, so he does a little little adventure with John Constantine to get his sand back. He then, with his sand, goes to hell to meet with Lucifer, um, who we at the top of the show mentioned has the Netflix show. That's crazy that that Netflix show has been on for five fucking seasons, and I had no idea it was a comic property. Not yep. a single clue. Um, it spun off of Constantine, I believe. Gotcha. Hmm. So in hell, he um, asks Lucifer to help him find the demon that has his helmet, summons the demon to hell, and does a um, a battle of imagination with the demon. <laughs> so good. <laughs> battle of imagination. It's a real, uh, it's a real uh, devil went down to Georgia fiddle battle <laughs> situation. It's, so in the, co- in, in the comic, it plays out where um, the demon starts and he's like, I am a, an ant, and I, I bite your leg, and 
dream turns like returns with I am a horse stomping the ant and they like they're just there's role playing. They're, they're role, playing. role playing. And um and it's very good. It's pronou- it's actually called LARPing, Andrew, and it's rude <laughs> that you would call it otherwise. They they LARP. Um so he gets his helm back and he embar- this defeating this demon some for some reason embarrasses Lucifer, who swears vengeance on Dream, but he leaves with his now his helmet to um to go get his dreamstone who has been in the possession of Dr. Destiny, another low-tier DC villain that had been picked up Weird. somewhere along the way. And it was, he had, uh, Dr. Destiny had dream powers in his first appearance. So he is, in, and this is retconned to have gotten them from this dream stone. So he has the dream stone, which, which drives him insane and withers him away to this, like, if you think the ghouls from Fallout kind of looking form. Mm-hmm. It's cool. too much power for him. He escapes Arkham Asylum, goes to a diner, cool. traps the pa- patrons in this diner, and just like creates this nightmare diner to torture them um, until they all kill each other. Dream shows up, they battle, which result um, ends with Doctor Destiny trying to break the stone, thinking it will kill Dream but actually just releases all the power in it, returning Dream to his full strength. This issue ends with Dream meeting his sister, Death. Um, for the f- We meet her for the first time, and they chat about, where have you you've been? Oh, I've been imprisoned. That sucks. You know, he was trying to imprison you, <laughs> actually. Um, so they have like this, this conversation, and he hangs out with her while she performs her duties as Death and like visits people just as they're dying and it kind of reminds him like oh yeah i've got responsibilities and a job to do and like and important to the fabric of the universe i need to go do them and sets out on this kind of like what has gone wrong in my absence how do i how can i fix it journey okay so that's that's setting up the series that sets us up I, I don't know what I expected the story to be. That's not it, and I dig it. Same, same. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool. It's it's an interesting way to to uh, introduce your protagonist. Like basically, like they're they're super Metroiding him. <laughs> He's yeah. got to get all his stuff back. <laughs> yeah, very much what it is. <laughs> One thing I want to want to know here. So it's interesting that we have Death as a character, as a female character, because I believe that's the same with Marvel. Yes, there's a Death mm-hmm. in Marvel. Yes. yes. Yep. And it is also a woman. In Marvel, yeah. because it's Thanos's like ultimate goal to seduce and earn the love right. of death, and then right, right, right. Uh, and then because the, the way that Marvel goes, Deadpool ends up marrying Death at one point. I think <laughs> correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there are characters like that where Marvel and DC each have one because they're in the public domain and no one can com- claim them. So, uh, Yo, Thor yeah. and Loki show yeah. up in this story later. Oh, um, oh cool. Interesting. Yeah. So it's. It's not Marvel's Thor or Marvel's Loki, but mm-hmm. it, but the yeah. Thor and Loki of Norse mythology. It's like how Magic the Gathering can just have Cthulhu. Like, they yeah. just have it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Public domain is a sweet, sweet thing. Yep. Anyone else? We Book two? I dig it. Yeah. Book, book two. two. All right. So book two opens with a, um, a tribal leader telling a, a young man a legend of their culture or whatever it's a like some they're out in the desert it's a manhood ritual 
He tells them a story of an ancient queen in their tribe, Nada, who had fallen in love with Dream. Concerned about the issues that come up with a mortal dating an endless, or being in a relationship with an endless, Nada breaks off the relationship, which pisses Dream off and sends her to hell for the rejection. Which, when he visits hell in the last book, she's there. And he's like, hey, still haven't forgiven you yet. Keep enjoying hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so Dream is not like a... Dream isn't necessarily like a, a squeaky clean hero character that we love. He is... He is just the main character, not a a good character. Not a good or bad character, um, mostly because he exists outside of he's above what good and bad could be. He's um, he's very cold. He's very um, vengeful. He um, mm-hmm. has very harsh punishments. We'll keep seeing throughout this the story. Mm. Um, so part of that is part of this whole story is him kind of like learning that about himself and learning like oh i need to empathize with these people i'm maybe i shouldn't be so much a dick yeah um (laughs) but yes he at this point is still very much like nope keep keep enjoying hell don't know when that's gonna change so we cut to present day um and we meet desire and despair um two more endless um desire is a like very androgynous character, very vain. Their realm is um, a giant stat, just a giant image of them, and they keep tearing down and like changing. But it's it's a statue t- to them. And despair is a an older woman who has like this hook finger that keeps cut like. cutting herself and like Mm. is very is what despair you know is very disparative it's yeah if anyone not looking at the imager album uh we've got effectively a latter day michael jackson uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. with an 80s tux and then what i would what i would imagine the best description would be uh, one of the fates, like uh, yeah. like one of the three fates, mm-hmm. either from like from uh, Hercules, but but like not wearing any yeah any clothes. It's not, it's not great. You get them 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 saggy boobs. Not to be confused, them. the fates are in this. Those three. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. they are they're the ones who send that, that who, tracks. They tell um, Dream where his stuff is in the first book. They are called the kindly ones in this and Mm -hmm. let me Hmm. get a picture of the kindly ones in here since that's what we're doing (laughs) so desire is telling despair their plan for no other reason than their own amusement want to kind of take dream down they don't like their place on the hierarchy or something but they just that's the type that's the personality kind of like i got this idea i'm gonna do it i'm gonna take down my brother dream That plan involves this new, what is known as a dream vortex on Earth. It's a person with some of the powers of dream that is born about once an era. We cut to Rose Walker. Wait, okay, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A couple things. One, this this is really cool. 
it definitely gets like closer and closer to Greek mythology the more you go through it. Mm-hmm, um, totally. Two, do they define how long an era is at any no. point? Cool. No. Got it. It is implied this is that we're at the begin kind of beginning of a new era. Got it. So it's like any any time everybody who would remember the last one is dead and gone and the legend has died, a new one comes around. Yes. Cool. Pretty much. Yeah, you got, got it. it. Um, so we cut to Rose Walker, uh, granddaughter of Unity Kincaid. Uh, do you remember the woman I told you was had the sleeping illness in the first one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's Unity. Okay. So she had fallen into an unwakeable sleep um, while Dream was in, was imprisoned. Her very wealthy family put her in a nursing home. In that nursing home, she was raped and had it gave birth to a child. All this happened while she was asleep. And when Dream was released, she woke up to inherit her family's wealth and is now looking for the rest that that child, which is Rose's mother. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. Hold on. Can you? Sorry. I think I need the like the family tree one more time. So (laughs) Unity Kincaid is is the one who was asleep. That's she's the grandmother. She was asleep. Oh, okay. Grandmother was that was the key word that I missed. Yep. I'm good now. I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, the mother is in the story, but Rose is the important one. Got it. For whatever okay. reason. So we find Rose. She is on a search for her younger brother Jed. Had been they'd been separated in the foster care system. The mom got her, like, Unity got her mom's life back together, who has now gotten Rose and her kid, and they're all going to live with Grandma. Jed is currently in the care of very abusive, like, check chasers. They they got him for the $800 a month child support they get, but he is locked in a basement, being bitten by rats, peeing in a mm-hmm. corner. Got it. Man, this, like... This screams 1989. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 We meet some ca- some housemates for Rose. They come back later. They're set dressing for this story. While Jed is kept locked in this basement, he is also being isolated. He has been chosen by, like, two former henchmen of Dream to be their playground to launch their own Dream World so to speak. What? (laughs) So they have, every human has a connection to the dream world when you go to sleep or when you imagine things, whatever. They hijacked this little boy's connection, isolated him in it, and are practicing how that goes because they're trying to take over the main dream world. Okay, cool. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> They're in the Doctor Strange mirror dimension. Yeah. Just practicing. Yeah. So they've isolated this kid in a pocket dream world, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they are using two humans to kind of facilitate, talk to the child for them, because they're weird extra dimensional beings that don't understand humans. One of whom is a woman who is pregnant named Taya. She also comes back later. Dream learns what his henchmen are doing, kills those two, frees Jed, 
kind of releases the woman who is pregnant. <laughs> They're helping them back into the world. The woman who's pregnant has been in this dream world helping for three years. Six months pregnant when she went in, still pregnant three years later. When she is released, Dream tells mm. her that's going to come up later, basically. <laughs> we don't know what it, I don't know what it's <laughs> going to be, but like that did something to that baby. Man, imagine telling a pregnant woman that's going to come up later. <laughs> like, hey, hey, listen, we're going to have a thing. <laughs> I don't think I understand how dreams work in this universe. <laughs> I don't think I do either. I think that's one of my biggest points of confusion. Yeah. So ask questions, I guess. Okay, me... well, let me let me run through to you what I understand. And okay. then perhaps you can fill in the gaps, right? So so there is there is dream world. Dream world. It's yes. it's a universe. It exists. Is it whatever. Just, just a plane of existence? Yes. Okay. okay, cool. And then every every living being has their connection to dream world when they dream. Yes. Cool. Okay. Right? That makes sense. So dream world, big hub world, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. each individual being has their like little their, their little pocket of heaven, their little yeah. like pie slice of dream world, right? And so like when these henchmen hijacked this boy, they like fenced off his island in dream world. Imagine so like a hose coming, like going from the dream world to the kid. They okay. pinched off the hose and set up their own dream world on the kid's side of it. On the kid's side of the pinch. Yeah. Okay. So they, they were like a, like a, like a, like a fake, like a fake dream world. Yes. Like a, like a forgery. Yes. Right. Very okay. much so. And him as the host. So okay. that's, that's thing. Okay. I get that. Cool. Going back to this pregnant lady who was <laughs> pregnant for three years and six months. And yeah. Cause I didn't okay. tell that story well. So that's okay. Um, so, so what I am coming to gather is that like, they also like, hijacked her dream world yes no so they they take him they take this man and this is where they like close off the old sandman story they okay. take this man and tell him you are sandman this child is fighting evil in his dreams you need to help him okay and he does he's a big dummy he buys it hook line and sinker and just has a blast like fighting off these fake dreams they set up for this kid. His wife comes along with him. She's already pregnant when they go into this pocket dream world. They are all living in Jed's pocket dream world. Okay. And they like, so, so they exist. Their consciousness exists in this kid's dream world, which is on the kid's side of the kinked hose of the actual dream world universe. You got and it. But their physical bodies exist in there. Oh, okay. So they, th they oh. got like zipped out of the real world. Yes. Weird. Okay. Got it. So it's, it's really like in this universe, when you dream, you're just, you just go to another dimension or you just go yes. to another universe or yes. another big plane of existence. Yes. And, and this, this, this small boy, this small frail boy, was trapped in his own forgery of a plane of existence with said other people. Yes, and also time is timey wimey. Time is timey wimey. Dreams are dreamy weemy. Very much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This 
This is just the story of Dark Souls 2. <laughs> <laughs> I that joke was for me and me alone, but yeah, someone out there will get it. I I feel like playing Dark Souls for the story is like playing Tetris for the lore. Like that's not why people bought dude, that game. No, no, no. No, dude, the Dark Souls story is really good, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Sandman. We're talking about Sandman. Um so that this whole story I'm about to tell is told to set up the character Lyda and her child, which we'll get to. But this is um, the Time Vortex story. So Jed wakes up from his dream. Uh, dream manifests in where Jed is and helps him get back to Rose. Everyone's happy. Then except, that's the Sandman. Oh, wait. And that's the Sandman. Um, <laughs> everyone has their brief reunion. Dream takes Rose to the dream world and tells her, you're this time vortex. It's real bad. Your existence in the world would shatter the separation between the dream world and your world, flooding your world with unreality and dreams and nightmares. And I can't have that. I have to kill you. She's about to die when Unity appears in the dream world and is like, wait, Unity, how did you get in the dream world? Well, actually, I'm the time. <laughs> I'm the time vortex. Um, but it got put on hold. It like got suppressed when she had the sleep um, sickness and passed to her ch- to her granddaughter for whatever reason. This is exactly no, how I'm it is. I'm the ex- time vortex. <laughs> it, it, Look at this me. Is- Look at me. I am the time vortex now. <laughs> this is exactly how it is. Play how it plays out in the in the story where she like jumps in and is like what's up everyone don't kill my granddaughter kill me instead like <laughs> what up fam cuz that's how dreams work um so unity oh. dies rose returns to live with her mom and brother dream is very confused and doesn't know how all this works but he's like it worked carrying on and like goes about that um again all of this is told to set up Lyda Hall or Hippolyta Hall, daughter of Wonder Woman. Not the important oh, part of um, her character, though. Hippolyta. Hmm. Hippolyta. A, like, yeah, that's Thank a, you. That's how that's it's a, pronounced. It's a famous Shakespeare character. Yep. Yes. There's an epilogue where Dream confronts Desire um, and learns that it was actually Desire who impregnated Unity when she was asleep, hoping that when Dream killed someone with endless lineage he would be punished for breaking some ancient rule or violating some some foundation of the universe and he calls her out on it says don't do this ever again and leaves because that's all they can kind of cut that out you cut that out so it was desire was the grandfather of rose and jed got it Okay. This okay. So the the comparison to the Greek gods then is is pretty close. Yeah, I mean, they've got. The, yep. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. basically just these 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 endless just like they get bored and they just go down to Earth and fuck with humans for a while. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. And try and get at each other for yeah. no real reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got oh. nothing else to do. We'll get we'll get more into that too. <laughs> oh, oh, they're <laughs> they're a reason. <laughs> Questions before we go into book three. They're kind of they're basically setting the stage for like. There are rules here, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. there are all these powers that, like, like we were just saying, are going to screw with one another. Mm-hmm. 
And so do get ready for more of that. Get ready for more. I, I do have a question, actually. So explain to me, help me understand, what is Dream's actual power? Does Dream have actual power and or control over the eponymous Dream World universe? Or yes. is it more like he's like the warden of the universe? So the he, in, in the Dream World, he controls and shapes reality in the Dream World. Um, okay. He has full near omnipotent power while in the Dream World. He brings aspects of the dream world with him to other realms so that he can still have his power, but it's manifested through his helmet, his sand, mm-hmm. and and the stone. Got it. Okay. Cool. Similarly to where Death is the warden of her realm, though, he is also the warden of dreams and has to make sure everything mm-hmm. in the realm is right. getting along fine. So when he was imprisoned, that was why like things... like shit got fucked up because yes. he's not there yes to... got it okay you got it okay kyle question for you and and just an honest question going forward from book two how many of these characters do i need to remember the the like grave importance of or is it really just lyda um you want lyda her son we're pretty done with rose and jed okay but they're coming back. The their roommates are coming back. Rose's roommates come back later, which will sure. get into them. Cool. Um, you, Got it. The seven, the seven endless. All you you all need to know. But so far, it's Lyda and the endless. Awesome. All right. Got it. Let's roll. Cool. Um, book three, Dream Country. Um, this is more of a like a, ser- a few short stories involving Dream. Uh, the first one is um, like a, a three-issue or trilogy long one um, that follow we follow Calliope, the Greek muse. We learn she has been the prisoner of a, an old author named Erasmus Fry. Lead character of Futurama. <laughs> Lead character of Futurama. Um, for about as long as um, Dream had been imprisoned. So this part of the story is all happening while Dream is imprisoned. Um, Fry is, inv- in, is visited by Richard Maddock, a young author. Um, he's struggling to write his second novel after his first one does well and trades a, uh, it's a magical object, a bezoar for anyone who wants to know, um, trades a magical object to this old author for Calliope, the muse. So he sneaks her home, locks her in a room of his house, and rapes her, giving him the inspiration he needs to write, uh, finishing his second book, and becoming a as successful as an author in 1987. That's not how muses work. It's not how muses are supposed to work. It's not how muses are supposed to work. Uh, yeah. What, what is... So, I... When I think of the muses, I think of the five-part singing group from the Hercules intro. As everyone serve, does. That serves as the plot device. <laughs> yes. Um... I, and I also know that like a muse is, you know, something that you you long for, you desire. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been the role, I guess, of like, obviously, this is not the way, as we have said, the way muses are supposed to work. What is the like the role token, of muses? Yeah, the token role of, I guess, a muse in Greek mythology. Um, so in Greek mythology, the muses are agents of 
whatever the god of art in Greek mythology is. Um, and act, go to their demigods, go to Earth and act on D- their behalf. Dionysus, is that it? Probably. Um, yeah, I think it's Thanks Dionysus. for contributing, Todd. Hey, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, my dad works for Nintendo. <laughs> um, there are nine muses, one for each art as defined by the okay. Greeks at the time. Calliope is the youngest and the art and the muse of um, writing is said to have inspired Homer. Gotcha. I was just I was just making sure like there was an actual like where where muses are typically grounded into the story. Um, just because obviously like this this man is trash. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this author is keeping Calliope locked up, forcing himself upon her whenever he feels he needs to write another book in her desperation calliope kind of calls upon we called them fates earlier but they're the 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 this triad of witches that keeps appearing in throughout the story the kindly ones uh they're the same they're the same witches that are depicted like the opening of hamlet the bubble bubble toil and trouble scene but she asks these witches for help contacting the only person who could help her her old lover dream calliope is also the only person dream has ever had a child with orpheus of greek myth is dream and calliope's child that comes up later not important right now cool dream confronts maddock the author tells um who tells him that he will free calliope eventually but needs her now for ideas this rightfully pisses dream off who curses maddock with too many ideas which drives him mad with so many thoughts he feels compelled to write until he like runs out of writing material um and then they find him like he's got like his fingers scratched down to the bones because he's been like scraping the walls trying to write all these ideas down amazing that's some that's That's some real monkey monkey's paw shit right there yeah 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 it sure is and and like clutching his like scratching at his face trying to write more he like tells his assistant like go to my house go to this room you will find a young woman there set her free please please like i'm i'm going to kill myself if this doesn't end soon um so she is free and he immediately then finds himself unable to like hold on to any ideas at all he is immediately like idea less and devoid of any inspiration whatsoever for what he's done. Wow. That that's so rad. I mean, yeah, yeah. obviously like not rad, but at the same time like rad. Mm-hmm. No, that's got that's got really really fun like Twilight Zone energy. I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um all the vignette there's a couple like vignette issues of the series. They're all kind of like that. So the next big story in the one in this one is The Dream of a Thousand Cats which I mentioned up at the top as well, um, is told from the point of view of a house cat that is like called out of the house by a stray and like all these other cats like going the same direction through London. 
Right. And then they like sing and dance and there's this yeah. really sexual one and this guy who talks about a train and then they sing about memories and <laughs> mm. one of them goes away forever. Yeah, I get it. I've read this story. One of them is Jason Derulo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the all these cats, uh, every cat in London almost goes to this graveyard um, where they gather around this, this old Siamese cat um, who tells them her encounter with Dream. Um, so Siamese cat had says like, oh, I had, you know, I had once been a house cat like you enjoying the com comfortable life, um, thinking my owners loved me. We are Siamese, if you please. We're Siamese, <laughs> if you please. Um, when she had a, she like describes this like fling with a stray cat. She gets pregnant and gives birth to a litter. It kind of reveals her that she's this purebred Siamese cat. The owners are posh British people. They don't want this like litter of, of mutts, so to speak. So they have her kittens drowned. Overcome with grief, the cat falls into a sleep, travels to the dream world, and like it shows this cat going through this long journey through the dream world to meet Dream in cat form. He appears as a like all black cat with his like white cat <laughs> eyes. It's kind and, of fun. Neil Gaiman's head. Yeah. <laughs> on the cat. yeah. Superimposed. <laughs> and tells the cat and tells dream she wants to why asks dream why are humans so cruel and dream tells her a story of a time when cats were the dominant form on earth um they were giant and humans were li little the size of mice um cat you know cats were in charge very very fun and happy for a cat until one day a human is born with the ability to dream and tells other humans of the wonders of dreams and like wishing for more and and brings more and more humans under his fold giving dreams more and more power um kind of explaining where his power sort of comes from but also like being this fun little folk tale to tell this cat um until so many humans at the same time dream of being the dominant dominant over cats or whatever that reality changes and they manifest the world into this new world where humans were always in charge. Cats are now what they are today. No one remembers what life before that was like, which is a com another, a reoccurring wild. Theme. Yeah. A reoccurring <laughs> theme wild. of the, of the graphic novel is like the stories we tell and the things that carry throughout time are the, is also is just as real as like, what's actually happening so that it cuts back to this cat in this graveyard and is basically like now recruiting cats to also dream of a better life and tell like spreading the legend of dream and like cats if you all join me and dream of this better life it will manifest and then we follow the cat back home and it falls back asleep and and wakes up the next day to like its little paws twitching and humans are like oh i bet it's dreaming of chasing something and it's like these visions of cats on top again and and it's a very very cute story the cat uprising will be upon us once again and the, and the cat <laughs> uprising will be upon us someday huh. that's very cool i like that one a lot mm -hmm. when i realized what was happening reading the story i was like oh this is awesome this is very very cool so then we move on to our next story which shows us dream meeting with william shakespeare <laughs> okay <Classic>. of course <laughs> 
Um, so we kind of actually saw this set up in a previous novel in like a, in like a B or C story um, with another reoccurring character. Dream kind of gives inspiration to William Shakespeare in trade for commissioning two plays for him, one of which is A Midsummer's Night Dream. Uh, of course it um, is. Yeah. That is the one that has Hippolyta in it. Yeah. Um, so the it opens with these actors like setting up for their first performance of A Midsummer's Night, Midsummer Night's Dream, and they they follow Dream to where he says the performance will take place, and it and he takes them to this like empty field on the edge of the woods, and they're like, oh, what what where are the people? And he's like, they they'll they'll be here, I promise. The out of the woods come all of the fairy folk, like all of the fae creatures of of British folklore come to watch A Midsummer's Night Dream. And they they start the performance. The 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 fae are all very amused because that that's what the subject of A Midsummer's Night Dream is, is like the fairies coming to visit on summer solstice and it's they're all very like, oh that's me, that's 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 you, like ha 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 and they're like laughing at it and it's it's fun. And kind of reestablishes that theme of like, hey, this isn't how I really am. And Dream is Dream tells him, like, no, no, like, because of this play, that's how they'll remember you, and that's what will be real. And it's over, and it was very good. Um, I guess it's considered one of the better, like one of the best like standalone issues of the series. It um, you know, wraps itself up very well. It's very like a fun little story with William Shakespeare and and the, the play, but um, ties into this greater story. I like thinking that William Shakespeare is canonically in the DC universe now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. um, and then we wrap up this book with a, with another one-off um, and it does, it's doing that thing of like taking an old DC character, an old character DC had acquired and trying to give her new life. Um, in this case, it is element girl. It's the female version of metamorpho. She's, if you know, like, what Kevin Eleven's design is, <laughs> it's kind of that. Yeah. Wait, what is, a Ke- what? what is a Kevin Eleven? <laughs> oh, Ben, other, ben 10. Other than, a, ben 10. other than a convenience store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, is a good, that is a good parallel to draw, Kevin Eleven. Oof. I had to go and look so that I could remember. Because you said the name Kevin Eleven, and I was like, oh, I remember the person, but not the book. <laughs> Wait, is that real? That wasn't just a joke? Yeah. Oh, no, no, that's real. That's real, Mm -hmm. real. Element Girl is the character we're focusing on. Kevin Eleven is the comparison I made. Didn't I talk about Element Girl when I talked about the bouncing bouncing boy? Oh, you might have. Yeah, I think you did. Because I think she is part of the the JV squad, the the not-so-super-superheroes, or whatever they're called. Um, So this is a one-off kind of giving her a different different take or whatever. so Element Girl's powers is she can kind of manifest any single, she can manifest anything if she n- can think of its chemical composition. Um, she does transmography, basically. Um, but looking the way she does, she is very afraid to go out into the world. Um, she wants to look like a normal person and go blend in. So that it opens with her like, manifesting these masks and like trying them on and trying to get them to work and um it she talks about 
having trying to manifest its skin once, but it just appeared as like rotten flesh and like stunk up her house for months. So she doesn't try that anymore. But basically it's driving home how kind of lonely and miserable and um, suicidal she is. And she is visited by death who tells her on like, yeah, your suspicions are correct. You can't die in this form, but um, you, you were given your powers by the God Ra. Maybe, maybe Ra will take them back. And um, it just ends with her kind of like looking into the sun, pleading to be free of this existence. And she like turns into sand and dies. And that's book three. Kyle, one favor. When you edit this, can you make sure to splice in a Cure album while you're telling <laughs> us? It's very. I, I could not help thinking the comparisons to the like the Cure aesthetic is all yeah. over this. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first time I saw a picture of uh, like the the dream who I assumed when I saw the picture was oh that must be the Sandman. But when I saw Dream for the first time, I was like, yeah, that's that's definitely the cure for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Questions before we go into book four. Thoughts, that, that's comments. Cool. I, I, love, I love anthologies to set up characters mm-hmm. in the universe. I yep. always love that. Yeah. That's why I love The Witcher. That's why I loved the Animatrix more than the rest of the Matrix movies. Like, I was just going <laughs> to say, this was the Animatrix yeah. book. Yep. And there's a couple more of them that come up. But um, yeah, that... Um, I, I got the impression as I was reading through this, they were really given a lot of time and could like, could take the time to diverge and tell these very cool stories um, under the DC banner. And like, it's very cool, which takes us to our fourth book. And we're going to kind of pick up the pace here a little bit. Cause I miss, I underestimated how, dense the reading was and only got through the first three volumes before we had to record today um, <laughs> but i um it, i did a very thorough fin- re- finishing on the research and um it connected it all back and i don't think you will be missing anything except some of the more colorful descriptions um and i do intend to finish the series now so i'll i'll touch base with uh, with the group later so our, for, our fourth book is our is another exposition heavy one, and it opens on a on a gathering of the endless. So all seven siblings are together. Nice things turn sour when Desire mocks Dream for um, how he is treating Nada, the woman he has still locked in hell, um, which I guess pisses Dream off enough or. Or finally makes him reconsider that she's in hell enough that he decides to go and free her. I'll show you. Watch me. <laughs> yeah. And and then he kind of he's he sweats it a little bit, knowing Lucifer like swore vengeance against him last time as well. Shows up, Lucifer is like fine, like not mad at all, and in, is in fact like giving up the responsibilities of hell. And he's just like, I'm I'm got all my demons out of here. I'm locking the doors and leaving and um, hands dream the keys to hell. And is like, <laughs> I don't go. care anymore. Like literally. <laughs> yeah. Literally like turns the key, locks the gates to hell 
and hands them to Dream. You can fit so many demons in this bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dream does not want ownership of hell at all. He's like, what? No, I don't want this. And is immediately thrust into this like bidding war, begging war from other people who would want to own hell. Um, and a lot of this book is to set up these characters who come back in the finale. Um, so we meet Odin, Thor, and Loki. Um, one group who want, they want to own hell to stop Ragnarok. Um, you've got Anubis and some other Egyptian gods come and they want, they just want hell because Anubis is the god of death in, in Egypt and he wants, mm-hmm. he wants more underworlds. Um, there's a Shinto storm god that shows up. Um, Azazel, who had been a, like a lesser demon, shows up. He offers Dream Nada, Nada's freedom in exchange for the keys to hell. Um, and Order and Chaos both show up. Um, Order shows up as a cardboard box. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what? Order manifests as a cardboard box. And Chaos manifests as a little girl in like clown makeup. Oh, God. What? Yeah. Sure. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't they? They put in their their pitch for hell, and um, a representative of the Fae show up, and they they suggest, what if no one runs hell? Like, what if you just leave it locked up? And there are two angels there, who all who show up, but apparently just to observe. I'll get it on Tuesdays. You'll get it on <laughs> Thursdays, and then Chaos can get it every other Wednesday. Perfect. Weekends, holidays, and every third Wednesday. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hell is a timeshare. So all these, so Dream leaves Hell back to the Dream World, and all of these deities follow, demanding he decide what happens. Um, a big showdown takes place, which ends with Dream handing off the keys of Hell, the keys to Hell, to these angels who had been there just to observe. He, he's like, "You guys don't want it, so I'm, but have the ability to deal with this." I'm giving it to you. And that's that's book four. It ends with um, a, a, a long monologue by Lucifer, like watching a sunset and like admitting to God. He's like, it's a pretty good sunset. But <laughs> yeah. Did he did he free Nada? Was that a thing? Did that happen? He did free Nada. Okay, good. I would have said he the whole reason going down there like, you know what? Fine, I'm going to free. Oh, wait. There's a whole thing now. <laughs> yeah, so Nada had been kept, when Hell was closed down, Nada was being kept in Azazel's mind. Cause Azazel, Azazel done messed up. Um, he so he, yeah, he targets out Azazel, frees Nada, who then is reborn as a newborn baby on Earth. And, but, and then, but like before she does that, Dream is like, where? Whatever form you are, you'll exist throughout eternity now, and you're free to come to the dream world whenever. So they have their nice little, like, I forgive you, we're not together, but you'll you'll always be kind of thing. And they wrap that up. Azazel looks at him and goes, what are you going to do, climb into my mind and take her? And he's <laughs> oh! like, oh! <laughs> Azazel is another character that I didn't realize existed in DC and Marvel. Um, yeah. And so my question that is a statement now to make it a question 
is Azazel a public domain character from something? Like, is, is Azazel that is Azazel's from the thing? Bible? Azazel yeah. is a named angel, fallen angel like Lucifer yep. in the Bible. Got it. I quit going to Sunday school before we got into the deep lore, so I don't know all <laughs> the names and faces, but makes a lot of sense. Thank you. It's like it's like the 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 extended Bible universe. Yeah, you know, right. Like, yeah. There's all the the extra stuff that you don't get in the Bible, but people just know, like the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's like that. Yeah, like I didn't even read the whole book. I just saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And that is the end of book four, um, which is all just kind of starting to set up this final showdown and like starting to set up where 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 how the end of this the story plays out um with that we need to take a short break um so we will we will be right back does anyone have anything to say before we go to break uh i have to tell the audience that um i have made a deal with lucifer and i'm being dragged to hell and (laughs) i will not be i may not be back for the second half, but I want to say thank you for for doing this, Kyle. And I'm gonna go uh, look at the rest of these books on my phone, literally in ten minutes. Yeah, um, I have the fi- I have the um, if you download a comic book reading app, I have the files if you want it. Awesome, Andrew. After we're done with this episode and it gets edited, uh, you can record a like ninety second. Oh my god, this is what I thought at the end, and we'll slap it onto the end of this bad boy. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, we will be right. Okay, listen. You know as well as we do, one day Nintendo is going to come knocking and tell us to stop using the Wii Shop music or they're going to sue the underwear off us. So instead of that, today I'm going to read you terrible gaming jokes I found on the internet for the next 60 seconds. I have not pre-read any of these. Let's see how it goes. What game do you play after eating Taco Bell? Fortnite. I asked my dad why a grown man would play Pokemon Go. He said, why not? How do you cure hunger in Minecraft? Three square meals. What does Sonic use to knock on a door? Knuckles. How do you get a Bulbasaur on a bus? You poke him out. What did Princess Zelda eat for breakfast? A sausage link. <laughs> Damn it. PS4 got injured and Xbox One is calling the ambulance. Wee-you, 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 wee-you. Jesus, 60 seconds is a long time. Why is a Jedi Knight never lonely? Because the Force is always with him. Why shouldn't you ask Yoda for money? Because he's always a little short. Why did Mario cross the road? Because he couldn't find the warp zone. What did Super Nintendo say to Sega Genesis? You know, everyone always tells me that I'm a bit better than you. Why did Sony hire Justin Timberlake to fix the PlayStation Network? Because they were hoping he could bring more than sexy back. Okay, I'm done. I'm never doing that again. Well, now that we've imprisoned Andrew into Azazel's brain, Azazel's mind, a glass, yeah. a glass sphere. Um, all right, we are back. We um, just just wrapped up book four, moving into book five, a game of you. This is um, more, more plot, more story, I guess. Um, so, so remember that housemate I said would come back from book two. I do. Yes. She's back. Um, so the character Barbie, one of, um, Rose's many housemates in book two. The, wasn't that the doll's house? Yep. You're right. (laughs) All right. then. Barbie is married to a man named Ken and they point out 
the absurdity of the situation in Good. in the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all very self-referential. Um, so it it's set up in um the doll's house that Barbie has unusually vivid dreams. Um, the way they kind of reveal that Rose is the vortex is it shows each housemate in their dream and then all those dreams kind of like converging and then dropping some of it dropping into the house to like become reality. Um, cool. Hell yeah. That rules. Yeah. Um, so Barbie has these very vivid dreams where she is in a very, in a like Renaissance style adventure, like fantasy. Um, she is a prince. She's always depicted as a princess, like in the Brit- in the British countryside with like these fantastical creatures um, but it's pointed out in the in the doll's house that the dreams are um, much stronger than everyone else's in the house at the time. So Barbie now lives in New York. They were in Florida the first time um, and has not dreamt in a while. Um, her normally vivid dreams have have gone. She is visited by Martin Tenbones. Martin Tenbones, a a, a character from her dreams, mafia um, hitman Martin Tenbones. Hey, that's Martin Tenbones over there. Martin Tenbones and Joey Bag of Donuts. Yeah. <laughs> so she is visited in in New York by this very like fourteenth century looking adventurer named um, Martin Tenbones. Main, named Martin Tenbones. Um, and he gives her an amulet, um, tells her she has to go save her dream world, and is killed by the police. That R.A.P. Martin Tenbones. He, 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 when he shows up, he causes all kinds of commotion and, and gets, gets a, an unfortunate end with the police, is, is how that confrontation wraps itself up. Yeah, because he's like a 14th century adventurer. So like man out of time, <laughs> dropped yeah. into 1989 New York City. Yep. D- shot up by the boys in blue. Uh, yep, you got it. <laughs> what um, a relevant and timeless story <laughs> that, that is, terrible. Kyle. That's super bad. Super not great. Um, so this amulet Bar- um, Martin Tenbones has given to Barbie. <laughs> Martin allows Tenbones her to- <laughs> is just a, a name I'm not ever going to take serious. Nope. No, you shouldn't. Uh, that's kind of the point. Like, it's kind, yeah. it's, it's this ridiculous. Mind, he's not just this, like, man out of time. He's, like, Jack Skellington. Like, like he's literally, <laughs> yeah. like, a, a skeleton. Like, he's goofy. He's, he's a man from the dream world of what is essentially a valley girl. Like, an yeah. a, a mid-80s valley girl. So, it's, it's as ridiculous as it is meant to be. So, this amulet lets Barbie go back into her dream world. Um, which we find is called, she has been calling it the land since she's had these like series of continuous dreams in this place. She's named it and, and it's the land. Um, so she learned she has got to stop a new villain who calls herself the cuckoo and sets out on her quest. Okay. So this is all Barbie is asleep questing in her dreams to de- defeat this dream villain. It's lucid dreaming. Wait, quick clarification question. And this is a dumb question and I'm mad that I'm asking it, but I need to know when Barbie is asleep questing in her dreams, is her real world body in dreamland 
or is she did she exists in a bed somewhere her body is in our world she is asleep in her room okay um, because her her new crazy cast of roommates are all there and things are happening to them it's, um, it's sure. like avatar your body is here yes. but your your mind is yep. elsewhere yes. yeah so in the in the real world barbie has just set off on her adventure back in the real world the cuckoo appears and begins unleashing um nightmares from the land on the the housemates of barbie what is the cuckoo we haven't gotten there yet okay but it is a manifestation of something from barbie's dreams so the the housemates are fighting these nightmares and in kind of their like quick introduction it's one of the char- one of the housemates is is a witch but it's played as like haha oh you're you're like an 80s an 80s witch yeah when these nightmares are attacking she like um performs a sacrifice and like dispels all the nightmares and it's like oh okay awesome so they're all fine ish the the house is destroyed but they're fine ish um back to barbie who has gone through a series of of adventures and like there's all these like side dream characters that like oh where have you been in while you were gone i did this horrible thing and they all tie back into like how the cuckoo has taken over what is a new pocket dream world of barbies so uh the cuckoo is a manifestation from the dream world not created by dream like the last two but did the same thing blocked barbie off tried to make her own dream world but isn't isn't going to go and like take over the dream world as a whole she's going to send out eggs she calls them to other people where the, they will repeat what just happened here and like create that isolated dream world gather power and spread more until they can finally take over. Did you already call this thing a parasite or am I just realizing this thing is like a parasite? You got it. Yeah. You just figured okay. it out. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. That seemed, I, I didn't know if I was getting ahead of it, but I'm like, this sounds parasitic. Whereas everything else is just mm-hmm. like, they do it cause they're bad or they do it cause they're yeah. powerful and bored. Yeah. We learn at the end that this, this is not the first iteration of the land either of this happening like barbie got got egged by the by a past iteration of this happening like this is already they didn't stop this from happening it just she happened to be saved in this instance got it okay cool right that the the big plan is revealed barbie destroys this the amulet given to her by martin ten bones her tie to the to this dream realm which causes a big enough ripple throughout the dream world to to draw the attention of dream he shows up in this isolated dream world and rejoins barbie's isolated world back to his um and then kind of imprisons the cuckoo so he so they can't do anything else dream barbie goes back to new york everything isn't great um there was a while she was dreaming a storm hit and killed one of her roommates. And it ends with this scene, which I only mention because of 
it again it's 1992 at this point one of barbie's roommates was a trans woman named wanda um and it shows barbie visiting her grave which is marked with her dead name her old name and barbie changing it before it like ends the book and just something i thought worth mentioning from from literature from 30 years ago yeah yeah that's not not what i would have when you started what you were saying i did not anticipate it ending that way for a book from the early 90s yeah for sure yeah that's really cool there there's some other stuff set up in this book that's the main through line is the story um but it's kind of this one-off like story that takes place of like people trying to take over the dream world to to gain their gain its power and that's like that's the story arc like that is Mm -hmm. you you read the sandman because someone is trying to take over the dream world and dreams gotta stop it yep yeah it seems like that's the theme that like shit has gone sideways and sandman rolls up and is like come on like what are you what are you (laughs) don't make me do this so we go into book six fables and reflections which is another kind of vignettes style story um and this is all related like these are all the through line here is they're all like older stories um older myths and famous historical stories or whatever where dream had been involved so to speak um so it one of them is um marco polo and like on his big adventures he wandered into some desert that was that shared a border with the dream world and it and it talks about what he sees we get this telling of augustus caesar it's another story of dream like helping a a troubled human Hmm. the big the big thing introduced in this book though are we meet orpheus um dreams and calliope's son who becomes a recurring character and we meet Daniel, Daniel Hall, the son of Lyda, the woman who had been pregnant in that dream bubble for so long. So th- that's the kid that it's going to come back later with. Dan- that's the Daniel kid. is the later. <laughs> Daniel's the later. Um, all these that and that and Daniel is kind of the framing device for like all the short stories. They're all being told to him, like a thousand and one Legends of Arabian Night style. Like sure. Gotcha. Um, somewhere in this, it is um, Lyda and Dream have a conversation where Dream tells her, like, yeah, he, it, because he was pregnant, you were pregnant with him for three years in the Dream World, he, ha- he is made of Dream World material and will have to return there eventually. And then nopes out of there, leaving her with that like Bye. existential threat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get the we get the introduction of Orpheus. They kind of tie back into the overall story, showing how awful a father Dream is because he's so distant and like doesn't care about his son. And we we move into book seven. Could have fooled me that this like somewhat omnipotent. <laughs> Like unattached demigod may not be the best dad. Yeah. Probably not the best father. Yeah. So from there we go to book seven, Brief Lives, which 
follows Dream and Delirium, which is uh, the, the youngest Endless, as they search for their brother, Destruction. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, so they <laughs> seek out, they, they go out looking for people who might have known Destruction, where he would be, and every person they meet before they leave is killed in some kind of freak accident. Um, the first one, a building, a piece of a building falls off and falls on him. Um, another, a, a riot starts in the club she's like performing in, and they they tear the building down and it like collapses on her. Um, they, there's like four, three or four people where they they meet them and they come to a horrific death. Shortly it's a fi- after. real final destination situation. Real final destination thing. I just looked to see what the release year of the original Final Destination <laughs> was. <laughs> uh, what's the verdict? Two thousand. Much okay. later. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Dream realizes that like this is cu- these people are dying because they're looking for destruction and stops and tells Delirium like, "No, I'm out. I'm not causing any more violence. I didn't really want to find him in the first place. I was just te- like doing it." to do you a favor. I didn't have anything better to do. We're done. Um, Death comes, talks him back into it, kind of shames him for like being a bad, bad sibling. All three of them go to to, back to destiny. They go to talk to destiny to try and get like a new, a new lead or whatever. And they see a series of like prophecies and flashbacks as um, destiny reads out of this big, the, the book of destiny. Um, that's got everything that's ever happened or will happen in it. Um, so he, as he's like flipping through to help them help him find it, they see glimpses of what's written there. Um, and they see the past, which shows like, um, destruction had abandoned. He's, he has abandoned his job, um, and his realm and he's just, he's pieced out. So they, they get that clue. Um, destiny looks up what, you know, the person who can help him and it will be Orpheus um, dreams son. So they go visit Orpheus and he takes them to the cabin destruction had been staying in. They talk with destruction. He tells him he's, you know, abandoned his post. He's tired of, of just destroying all the time and wanted to create. So he came out to this cabin in the woods and is painting and writing poems and being berated for it by his talking dog. So it's the story of Wreck-It Ralph. It's literally just the story <laughs> of Wreck-It Ralph. It is Wreck-It Ralph. I, uh, if you would have said that Destruction was in his like hideout cabin, like, and you said, hey, Todd, take a thousand guesses <laughs> at what he's doing and who's with him. Uh, doing art and talking dog would not have made the, the first round through. Yeah, so they like go, they, they, there's a whole like, they show what he'd been doing and it's it's him like trying all these different things and the dogs being like really you gave up you like left your post to to make this kind of piece of shit art like cool <laughs> man and it goes on like that like they they live for a while like that hmm. and that the and in in this he tells them like those those people dying those were because i set traps to keep anyone from looking for me so you like you lost those people in these 
these booby traps I sent. These big, like, cosmic booby traps. You activated keep... my trap card. You activated my trap card. He, he really home alone them. He home alone <laughs> real, real Kevin McAllister material. Yeah. material. Um, so they leave. Destruction doesn't say he's going to go back to his post, per se, but he'll, like, stop just being gone and living in the woods. He's going to kind of go on a kind of goes on a similar walkabout that Dream is doing. And then there's this nice scene at the end where Dream helps Orpheus finally die because he's been alive since ancient t- Greek times. And they have this nice funeral ceremony and, and bury him. And it's very, very moving. That is sweet. But since he is made of endless material, does he just like, does he continue to exist in the afterlife or something? They don't really go into that, Matt. Okay. He he had been existing as a severed head for a while until this point. Oh, good. So they just buried his head. Got um, it. There's a whole story in one of the early books of Dream kind of befriending this man who doesn't die because he says, like, he, he decides, like, no, I'm not going to die. Like, I don't want to die. I'm not going to do it. And Dream is like, er, is like, okay. That hap- like I'll make I can make that happen. You won't die um, until you until you want to meet me back here in a hundred years. And they like meet for every hundred years until from like nineteen thirty or thirteen eighty six nine to to nineteen ninety nine or nineteen eighty nine. They meet every hundred years. So there's like precedent for like if death death doesn't come to collect you, you don't die. Sure, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Was where that comes from. Um, and yeah, that is Brief Lives. That is our last book before kind of, well, no, not our last book, our second last book before we go into the big finale. Cool. I am. Um, so I was, I was poking through the wiki and there's a really, really good quote that, that it talks about when, um, all of the endless are, are talking and it says that, uh, destruction reminds dream that all the endless define their opposites. And the quote is, mm-hmm. Our sister defines life just as despair defines hope, desire defines hatred, or destiny defines freedom, which um, then would mean that obviously like dream, the opposite of dreaming would be your reality. So that that dream in essence defines what reality is. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) then the closing line of this wiki, destruction then dismantles his gallery and departs Earth. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> he, he packs up his easel and he's like, "All right, <laughs> time to go." Now that I've dropped, now that I've dropped that on you, <laughs> yeah, they keep and they do keep bringing back that theme that like mm-hmm. dream and imagination is just as reality defining as reality is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we move into World's End. These, uh, as far as I could tell, are all just kind of window dressing and set moving to get us to the final showdown. Um, it's another th- kind of thing where like the main, the each, each issue in this book has a main story and like the framing device around that story pushes the, like the overarching story forward. So it moves forward at one event per issue here. Yeah. Um, told around these kind of more short stories. Um, there wasn't anything super concrete tying it all back together, except um, everyone is plotting some kind of 
power grab on the dream world. And by everyone, I mean like um, Thor, Odin, Loki, gotcha. Azazel. Like all, all those people who showed up for hell a while ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. All those same <laughs> people who showed up for hell a while ago are now like. The people who bid on hell, like the storage wars people bid on a storage unit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. 100%. And, um, and it, and it shows us kind of where Daniel is and, and sets up where, what's going to happen with him. And wait, who's Daniel? The, the, the time boy, the weird dream, the, the half dream boy. Yep. Okay, gotcha. cool. Um, is there a reason that everybody wants dream world? Do they realize it's just like, that's where the power is? That's, that's what it is. It's the same okay. thing as, it's the same thing as like wanting to control death to them. Like mm-hmm. gotcha. you control one of these aspects of the universe. That's a lot of power. Sure. So okay. And, and they feel because, because dream had been imprisoned for 70 years and, and all that and hell and like all the chaos that that caused they feel the time is for the taking if they're gonna do it they got to do it now kind of thing i gotcha so this takes us into the the kindly ones that kind of kind of wraps up dreams story and then we have a an epilogue after that this is very heady it's very much its own thing and this story is told in the st- in the style of an ink like an old Greek myth, and like isn't told comic book wise. So I will be giving highlights, but I'm you're not getting the full depth of what's going on. There's like 13 <laughs> issues to this. Yeah, it's long. It a lot of it is written in prose and not like comic book graphic hmm. style. It'll be like page Oof. of prose with written like, it, written as a greek tragedy yep. yeah page of, like page page of prose illustration page illustration kind of and wow. so it um all the characters are are like double or triple cast as like greek characters to um lyda is is sometimes also shown as medusa in the in the graphics it's very very dreamy weemy very artistic licensey so i'm likely missing some stuff but the highlights of what happened in this story are daniel follow the the dream child following the events of the last book is kidnapped by loki lyda his mom is convinced that this is dream's fault because she's a little batty and goes and conf- confronts Dream tr- with the intent of killing him. And again, this is told through the Greek myth lens, where a different, a different Gorgon, a different Medusa character kills him. Okay. But it's just called Erinyes, like the name of the character in the myth. We don't know who actually kills him. But Dream dies. Um, Dream gets killed because this woman feels he helped steal her child. While this is all happening, Dream's kind of henchmen have actually recovered Daniel from Thor and Loki and Odin, and he's safe. So when Dream dies, they show up and like, oh, here's your son. He's fine. And, oh, no, you're dead. And, yeah, like, <laughs> oh, no, he's dead. You're dead. It kind of wraps the main story up with like Morpheus and death 
looking over a, a mountain peak and kind of just like walking us through the themes and the beats of the story. Like, you know, you're, you're responsible for dreams, but also reality, just like I'm responsible for life, for death as well as life and blah, blah, blah. Goes through all that again. And um, because this role always needs to be filled, Daniel kind of ascends to the new dream. Ah, because he's already made a dream bits. Yeah. Thus, thus kind of closing that loop of he will have to return to the dream world. Interesting. Okay. So Daniel, just, just to clarify and make sure that I've got it, Daniel is not in any way related to Dream, the character who we have been following. Correct. Uh, Correct. But, but is made of Dream Dust and Sparkle Bits. Yep. Uh, and is now... So, like, there there is no surviving lineage to take the throne, and this guy made of Dream Dust fills the role yes because okay cool because reasons um yeah and there's there's some precedents for this in this um earlier in the story it's kind of what um destruction is saying like is his reason for stepping back this happened to despair as well we don't know Uh, what happened but despair died and a new entity took their place um and destruction saw like, oh, if I continue in this way, I will die and someone will take my place. And I don't want that. So I'm stepping back. And then this is the the third instance kind of here. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's that's really cool that like that's cool. these are not just endless beings, but that these are pivotal roles in the fabric of reality yes. that have to be filled. Yes. And yeah, like I said, like this goes up. They, they talk when the endless talk, they talk about like different worlds and what they, and like different things they do there. Like they are all throughout, like time and space are not our concepts to them as not so much as like rules they're bound by. It's very, very interesting, very heady, very cool. And with that, we go to the last chapter, the last issue of this book, um, the wake. It's just six ish issues. I think, Three of them are people basically giving eulogies for death at his funeral. And then three of them are... Wait, pause. Wait, death death or dream? Dream. I'm sorry, yeah. dream at his funeral. Got it. Um, and then the other half are Daniel, the new dream, meeting with more people and getting basically more eulogies. Like, oh, when it was, you know... Oh, I remember what I did with with him when it was the last guy. You've got your work cut out for you kind of thing. Like <laughs> just three three little stories of that. Okay. And that's cool. more or less Neil Gaiman's Sandman. I mean, I like I do like how it's kind of it ends with what it sounds like is it ends with tying up all those loose ends and then mm-hmm. giving you like the effectively like the epilogue, yeah. which I think is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, I don't know. I like the way that the story itself of Dream and the Endless exists outside of, uh, like, there's a weird way to say it, but exists outside of the comic book that is told. And so, like, they can tell the story of the character Dream that we follow 
we'll call him James McAvoy. We follow Morpheus. Ja- it, yeah, they 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 d- draw they draw the distinction of like this is the Morpheus. This dr- this dream is Morpheus, right? And this but next like, dream is Daniel. But you can you can do this story that's about this character and put like wrap it up and put a bow on the character without ever like without feeling like you need to tie up the whole universe of like our main person is dead how does the world keep moving you know where like if this was an iron man story or something like that where it's like all right tony stark is dead and we have to figure out what comes next and what that looks like i mean i like they can fill the role but there's more of a void in the universe and i like that this is like one person is done but there's no there's no space left yeah yeah there's no like oh well now we have a new guy and he's got a learn and do it his own way like it's just he's dream now and that that role continues to be filled Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's super interesting like this is not i i had no idea what this was going into it and this is not what i would have guessed the story was but i like this a lot i similarly did not know much going into it i knew it was this very like dipped in the cure um (laughs) aesthetic i knew it was like very like dream i knew i knew kind of of dream and death as characters but like i didn't know what this was before i started reading it and it was it has been and i imagine will continue to be a very satisfying read as i go forward um i like i said i i got to book four today when i realized i need to to wrap this up so we can record this today um but I don't I don't think I you missed a ton for me not finishing finishing the series. I I looked through it pretty pretty well. I think one of the other things that's really interesting cuz I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now mm-hmm. is that like the first 8 stories or that like the first volume that you talked about Preludes and Nocturnes has all of these like guest starring and cameo roles from other major DC characters. Yes. Um, like I know we talked about Constantine and we talked about Dr. Destiny, but per this wiki that I'm reading, there's also Mr. Miracle who I haven't yep. heard of and Etrigan, the demon who I have not heard of, but mm-hmm. also Martian Manhunter, Scarecrow, um, the original Sandman. There's a cameo of Batman, a cameo of Green Lantern, like they poured the DC into this to make sure it would catch with the reader. So that first issue, that first volume, definitely. That first volume has it all over the place. Um, a lot of Doctor Destiny scenes take place in Arkham Asylum. That's where Scarecrow comes in. Is he? It's like the other guy in his cell is Scarecrow. Martian Manhunter is used to set up the idea that like the legend, like Mars had its own series of legends involving dream so he meets dream dream appears to him as a martian and like with all the all the aesthetic on it and john is immediately like oh you are this martian name like please like how however can i help you you are i like i know who you are like immediately knows him because again they appear to all civilizations ever this series was it started under D as, as best I can understand it started under the DC flag, but DC used it to spin off vertigo, which was their like 
their way to get around um, the the comic censorship laws at the time. So yeah. hmm. the t- at the time, if your la- I think it was if your label had anything adult under it, you had a harder time selling your books in places kids could buy them. So DC spun off Vertigo so they could sell the Vertigo, the the adult comics under Vertigo, but still sell like the Superman comics in the grocery store or whatever. Yeah, because this was running at the same time, or I, I think about the same time as the Marvel Knights, which I think was sort of Marvel's attempt at like the darker, weirder things. And I think mm-hmm. they used knights to get around some of the same censorship yep. things because mm-hmm. i yep. know like marvel tsunami was a little later in the 2000s and and was sort of similar um so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting piece of comic book history that there are these stories that involve all these dc characters but end up being printed under a different label yes um comic book yeah comic book history like the history of the comic book industry is its own whole thing that could just be an entire separate podcast itself of like stories of comic book industry history. And I, I did want to include some of that with like the Alan Moore stuff and the vertigo comic stuff is very cool. Yeah. Um, I think it was, uh, Oh, now I need to double check, but I'm pretty sure it was in the 50s or the 60s that um, the United States was actually censoring comics. Like there were some very, very strict. Um, I uh, the comic code, comics code authority was what it's called, and it was in 1954. So I I taught a college class over this, and oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I put it in my first year uh, seminar at an institution I worked at. Um, but basically, like they set the rules of like what comics could or could not mm-hmm. do for a long time which included like bad guys can't ever win and yes. like like uh first responders can't ever get hurt and yeah. like like oh, it was guns, very tied it was yeah. very tied to the red scare yep and yep. and the so granted of- this is all we're all talking about things 40 years later yes. but like it all still like it, it kind of bundles into that same concept and i know i know by this time they had laxed somewhat but there were still oh, some yeah. like hard line in the sands you like can't do these things and and they were cracking down on them after things like the dark knight returns and watchmen had come out they were kind of like okay maybe not sell frank miller and alan moore in grocery stores next to the archie comics Um, yeah it was pretty much the the distinction yeah and then the other thing that i wanted to bring up i was curious and i i looked through the wiki to see how much of this story is contained in the audiobook that I know spawned my mom requesting this flavor text? Oh, yeah. Uh, and what I found was that the quote from Wikipedia is it's the first three volumes. Okay. Um, which I assume oh, wow. is, I, I, I doubt the first three issues. I would think the first three books. That's how I would interpret it. So everything up through... Um... I would imagine dream, d- like dream country, dream country, the like Calliope and the cats and the, mm-hmm. the Willie shakes story Yeah, would somewhere in there is where they probably cut off. Yeah. Cause that's like, I'm, I'm not a reader. There's no way that I could slog through 11 
even if they're graphic novels, like mm-hmm. there, there's just it, it won't happen. But I'm 100 percent going to do the audio book or the audio drama. Um, and so I'll certainly report back with how far it goes. But I, I'm assuming that it's some storytelling, some telling of the first three books. Yeah. Preludes and Nocturnes, The Dollhouse. And then I'm assuming that Dream Country is probably interwoven through there. Which that makes sense because those all kind those all I see adapting to a, a radio drama much easier. Yeah. The thing here, I think, is that for those of you who only listened to the audiobook that caught the first three books, you what you were really missing out on was the existence of Martin Tenbones. And now you know Martin yes. Tenbones. Martin Tenbones. You know about Martin Tenbones and um um what other Nothing else, and the and the talking dog, <laughs> Martin Tenbones, and the the talking dog who mocks destruction. Yeah, which was which was my favorite child storybook. <laughs> yes, what what do you guys think? How I'm in. We, you're in. Yeah, yeah. I think I I I'm kind of with Matt that there's obviously a lot here to read, and I don't know if I would ever get like fully like all in on that. But I fully think through I would, it. I would be interested in listening to the audiobook and seeing if there's audio recordings of the rest um because this is it's an interesting story it's super super interesting and i did not think it was going to be as i guess attractive as you made it out to be yeah yeah i never in a million years i mean i knew nothing coming in but i never in a million years would have guessed any single thing about this plot um outside of probably the sentence it's about the Sandman and he <laughs> controls dreams. I think that's all that I ever would have pieced together in trying to guess the plot of this. Um, so thank you to you, Kyle, and and big old kudos for like putting all of this into as consumable a short story <laughs> as it can be. Because like this is, and it's kind of like when we did Neon Genesis Evangelion, or even when we did Kingdom Hearts, that like even looking at all of this on paper. And having someone explain it to me, this is a convoluted storyline. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, they get it's very verbose. Um, I started reading the first book, the first issue of the book, and it is a lot of flowery language, a lot of um, learning to map where the speech bubbles go because they they play with the form of comic books throughout the all 11 issues um but once you kind of settle in and can can track where it goes because it is mostly the same artists and it's neil gaiman the whole time so you learn the the patterns there it it reads a little starts to read a little faster but yeah i i had a similar thought when i started it was like am i gonna get through all of this oh boy so um but it's it it is a nice it is a good story. I do recommend at least listening to the audiobook to get some of it. But if you can if you like to read, um they are a good they are a very good read. They are very good graphic novels and I recommend you read them if you're a a reader. That's The Sandman. That's my piece. Right on. Well done, Kyle. Thank you. Um so everyone, thank you for listening to debate this. Follow along with the argument on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at debate this cast. And you can um, also find us on Patreon where you can do what Brenda did and commission a fabulous flavor text of your own or just support us at one of the lower levels as well. 
Um, all the benefits are laid out there on the Patreon. Um, until next time, I am Kyle Harper. I'm Matt. Hell is a timeshare, Cole. <laughs> I'm Todd, a dog that critiques your artwork. And uh, Andrew Henderson is stuck in the dream world. Um, and we are all saying thank you for debating with us. If you think you're wrong, you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds. 